Due to the graphic nature of this case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Where's the boy? I don't believe that's any of your business. The Queen asked me to escort her son to London safely. I gave her my word and I will see it through. As Lord Protector, it is my divine right to do as I see fit, especially when it comes to the snot-nosed king-to-be. So maybe I didn't make myself clear. Bring me the boy. Over my dead body? That can be arranged. Anthony Woodville, you are hereby under arrest for treason. Guards, take him away. You, you're a monster. No, I am an opportunist. With you out of the picture, those bastard brats are the only things standing between me and the throne of England. This is Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories on the Parcast Network. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Tuesday, we dive into the world of a real unsolved murder and try to solve the case. You can find episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unsolved Murders for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unsolved Murders in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful to you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. This is our first episode on the 1483 disappearance of the legendary Princes in the Tower. Edward V and his younger brother, Richard, Duke of York. This week, we'll learn about the prince's family and the events that led to their tragic imprisonment and possible murder. Next week, we'll explore how the man likely responsible for the prince's disappearance wound up taking their place as King of England. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. 
We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The British Isles may be the home of some of the world's greatest detectives, but there's one mystery England has yet to solve. The princes in the tower. In the summer of 1483, two young princes' lives were cut dramatically short when their uncle, Richard of Gloucester, placed them in the Tower of London, supposedly for their protection. They were never seen alive again. What became of the boys remains a mystery. Their fate has been dramatized, speculated about, and dissected for hundreds of years, most notably by William Shakespeare in his play Richard III. But one thing is absolutely certain. The princes were the victims of one of the most vicious interfamily conflicts the world has ever seen. The tragic tale of the young princes in the tower begins decades before their births in the year 1453. The last monarch of the House of Lancaster, Henry VI, sat atop the throne. His family had held the British seat of power for over 50 years. However, by mid-1453, the Lancasters began to grow nervous. Henry VI's health and mental stability were declining rapidly, and his marriage to the ambitious, strong-willed Margaret of Anjou had yet to produce an heir. This meant that the throne was coming up for grabs, which delighted Henry VI's cousins in the House of York. As both houses were direct descendants of the late King Edward III, They both held equal claim to the monarchy. They were eagerly awaiting their chance to stake their claim, and they would get their chance in due time. Henry VI suffered from what some contemporary scholars think may have been catatonic schizophrenia, which would explain his frequent mental breakdowns. After a particularly damaging episode left Henry VI highly confused and an invalid, the Yorks saw their opportunity. But just when it seemed the throne was within their grasp, Margaret of Anjou gave birth to a baby boy. Please, doctor, tell me, is it... It is! He's a beautiful, healthy baby boy. Oh, thank God. Did you hear that, love? We have a son. Let me see him. What shall we call him? Edward, I think. Edward. Yes, a good strong name. Fit for a king. Edward of Westminster's birth came as a bitter disappointment to the House of York. And no one was angrier than the Duke of York, the leader of the house. He felt victory had been snatched right out of his hands. Yeah, we were so close! The throne was right there! I should have slit Margaret's throat when I had the chance! I bet she wishes she were dead, being married to that fat oaf Henry! (laughs) My son, our Edward, is the one who should be king! Divine blood also flows through his veins! He has as much claim to the throne as Henry's child, if not more. The Lancasters have monopolized the throne long enough. I cannot, 
I will not accept another! It's time we take what's rightfully ours. Will you take up your swords and join me in the fight? For freedom! For honor! For the glory of York! And so, rather than accept this defeat gracefully, the Duke of York kicked off the War of the Roses, a 30-year tug-of-war that would claim countless lives, including his grandsons, Edward V and Richard of York, our princes in the tower. At the start of the war, the Duke of York started grooming his eldest son, 12-year-old Edward IV, to become king. Edward IV received combat training, studied politics, and was immersed in the Christian faith, as was expected of young royals at the time. According to his contemporaries, Edward IV grew up to be a friendly and charismatic teenage prince. He was also quite the playboy. But surprisingly, Edward IV's womanizing did not bring the family unwelcome attention. Instead, during Edward IV's adolescence, his mother was accused of having an affair with Sir Blaybourne, an archer. Many of her 12 children, including Edward IV, were tall, blonde, and handsome just like Blaybourne. They looked nothing like their squat, dark-haired father. The rumors were eventually dismissed as political hearsay, but maybe Edward IV's youngest brother, Richard of Gloucester, thought there was some truth to those claims, especially since he did look like their father. Unfortunately, Richard of Gloucester was also born with severe scoliosis, which left him with a hunchback. It's likely that Richard resented his handsome, charmed older brother, but he kept whatever jealousy he felt secret as Edward IV rose to power and the war raged on. In 1459, the Duke of York suffered a brutal loss in battle. He fled to Ireland but soon returned to England with a brand new army and his son. Edward IV helped his father lead his armies to a string of victories, And finally, in 1460, the Duke of York captured the sickly Henry VI and crowned himself king. Henry, you're back! Not so fast. Another step and I will bury this knife in his back. I'm sorry, my love. I should have been stronger. I think I'll take a seat on the throne, make myself comfortable. Ah, even the crown fits like a glove. Edward, how do I look? Like a king, father. York, you traitorous snake! Let him go! Now, now, there's no need for foul language. You want your husband back. I want the throne. Surely, we can come to an agreement. Not if it means you will be king. How about this? You get your precious king back, what's left of him anyway, and he gets to live out the rest of his miserable life on the throne. But when he dies, your house will recognize and support my sons as the rightful heirs. Do we have a deal? Deal. On October 25th, 1460, The agreement was made official. Henry VI would remain king, but his son, Edward of Westminster, was removed as the rightful heir. Finally, after a long and bloody road, 
The crown was within the York's reach. However, once Henry VI was safe, Margaret of Anjou had second thoughts. She wanted her son to be king. So she took command of her husband's forces and reignited the war against the Yorkists. This time, she got the upper hand. By December of 1460, Margaret of Anjou's army had pushed the Yorkist rebellion back into the north. Outnumbered, overwhelmed, and completely cut off from resources, the Duke of York gambled everything in one final desperate play for the throne. He rallied the last of his remaining forces and on December 30th, 1460, clashed with Margaret's troops in the bloody Battle of Wakefield. But it didn't work. Margaret's army decimated the Yorkists and killed the Duke himself on the battlefield. Suddenly, with his father dead, 18-year-old Edward IV became the new Yorkist leader overnight. Coming up, we'll follow Edward IV as he tries to avenge his father's death and restore honor to the House of York. Carter here. Have you heard about ParCast's newest series yet? It's called Medical Murders, and it exposes a dark and disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join my good friend, host Alastair Merton, as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers, dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who makes deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now back to the story. The Duke of York's death hit the York family hard. But rather than wallow in grief, 18-year-old Edward IV rallied his troops in early 1461 and marched back into battle propelled by hatred and a thirst for revenge. Determined to see his father's dying wish come to pass, Edward IV's army met the Lancaster army in Towton on March 29, 1461. This battle would determine the right to rule over England, winner take all. The Battle of Towton took place in the middle of a snowstorm. 
an estimated 50,000 soldiers fought for hours in the sleet and biting cold. It was one of the largest and bloodiest battles ever fought on British soil. The Lancasters heavily outnumbered the Yorkists. Much of Edward IV's military force had been caught in the storm and delayed. All hope seemed to be lost for the House of York. Come on, men! We can still turn this around! Ferry Bridge is dead ahead! Let's bottleneck those yellow-bellied Lancastrians at the crossing! Forgive me, Lord. I... I want to, but I can't feel my feet or my hands. Don't give up! We're so close! The Duke of Norfolk will be bringing reinforcements any minute! But there are so many Lancastrians. Even with Norfolk's troops, we'll be just riding to our deaths. Men, each time we ride into battle, there's a chance we may die. This is war. But we are Yorkists. Our hearts shine brighter than the sun in splendor. Those Lancasters may take our lives, but they will never take our pride. Now, are you with me? Is that the Duke of Norfolk? We're saved. Oh, Edward. Looks like we've arrived just in the nick of time. You always did like to make dramatic entrances. The arrival of the Duke of Norfolk's troops reinvigorated the weary, frostbitten Yorkists. Inspired by Edward IV's impassioned battle cry, they moved ahead with their plan to trap the Lancastrian army at Ferry Bridge. There, strong winds helped Edward IV's archers. Sleet turned into a torrent of arrows as the Yorkists picked off the Lancasters, one by one. Thousands of Lancastrian soldiers died in the ensuing fight. Those who weren't killed at the bridge were trampled to death by their own men. Some even drowned in the river. It supposedly ran red with blood for several days after. Without an army, the House of Lancaster was done. They had lost once and for all. Following their defeat, Margaret of Anjou and Henry VI fled to safety in Scotland with their son. And on June 28, 1461, 19-year-old Edward IV finally realized his father's dream to become king. In the beginning of King Edward IV's rule, he relied heavily on his cousin, Richard Neville, to help construct the new regime. Richard Neville was one of the few people Edward IV could trust. Many nobles and members of court remained loyal to Margaret of Anjou and continued to actively campaign on Henry VI's behalf. The atmosphere in London simmered with tension. In 1464, in order to further secure Edward IV's rule, Richard Neville traveled to France to negotiate an alliance with King Louis XI. His plan was to offer Edward IV's hand in marriage. However, while Richard Neville was abroad, King Edward IV's head was turned by a charming, whip-smart young lady. Her name was Elizabeth Woodville. Although Elizabeth was incredibly beautiful, she was considered too common to marry a king. Many of Edward IV's contemporaries in court actively tried to discourage his interest. Elizabeth Woodville was also a widow. Her first husband was a Lancastrian soldier who was, somewhat ironically, killed by Edward IV's forces in battle. Her husband's death left Elizabeth as the sole provider for their two sons, Thomas and Richard Grey. 
Eager to find a stable environment for her boys, Elizabeth pushed Edward IV for a quick marriage, and she got it. On May 1st, 1464, the pair were secretly married at Elizabeth's family home. The divisive wedding made quite a stir at court, but no one was more upset than Richard Neville, who found out about the union after he returned from France. Cousin, welcome home. I trust your visit to the continent went well. What did you do, Edward? I leave you alone for one minute, and you run off with a Lancastrian harlot? (gasps) Hold your tongue, cousin. You may be family, but I will not allow you to slander my wife. Apologize at once. I'm sorry. No. I will not allow this farce to continue. You will marry King Louis XI's sister-in-law like we agreed to in your treaty. Edward, what's he talking about? I made a vow before God to love Elizabeth until death do us part. She is my wife, whether you like it or not. So you can tell King Louis he can negotiate a new treaty or find a new ally. Edward IV's and Richard Neville's relationship never recovered after that fight. Neville realized the king was a loose cannon who could not and would not be controlled. Over the next few years, Tensions continued to escalate between Edward IV and Richard Neville. Neville hoped to repair his relationship with King Louis XI and apologize for the first failed treaty, so he pushed for a diplomatic alliance with France, despite Edward IV's overt interest in France's enemy, Burgundy. While Richard Neville was abroad in France, Edward IV negotiated a treaty with Burgundy. He officially allied with them in 1467, and the pact was strengthened by the marriage of his sister, Margaret, to Duke Charles the Bold of Burgundy the following year. Richard Neville was apparently not informed of this arrangement, and he had carried on with his negotiations with France unaware. When the details of the alliance finally became public, Richard Neville was twice embarrassed in front of King Louis. This move made it abundantly clear to Richard Neville that the king would always choose his own interests above all else. So Neville withdrew from high society and quietly aligned with the Lancasters. Together with Margaret of Anjou, Richard Neville hatched a plan to eliminate the Woodvilles and depose King Edward IV. Neville also turned his attention toward Edward IV's younger brothers, especially 20-year-old George of Clarence. Capitalizing on the boy's position in line for the throne, Richard Neville began to orchestrate strategic marriages for his daughters. One daughter, Isabel, married George of Clarence. However, Neville wanted his family to be guaranteed power and position, so he secretly arranged for his other daughter, Anne, to marry Henry VI heir, Edward of Westminster. This way, he figured, he had a good position for the throne, no matter which house won. With both daughters successfully married off, Richard Neville had little use for King Edward IV's youngest brother, 17-year-old Richard of Gloucester, the hunchback prince. Finally, after years of scheming and shadowy cabals, Richard Neville was ready to move against Edward IV. By a fortuitous turn of fate, the old rumor about Edward IV being a bastard son would help bring the king down. By the summer of 1469, the seeds of doubt had been sown in court. 
whispers of King Edward IV's illegitimacy had spread throughout England, and people began to wonder if he really had a claim to the throne. Nearly eight years after their last military conflict, the Lancasters re-emerged with Neville's help to challenge Edward IV for the crown. In July 1469, the Warring Houses once again met on the battlefield. It would not go well for the House of York. The royal army suffered a devastating loss. After the battle, Elizabeth Woodville's father and younger brother, King Edward IV's last allies in court, were taken prisoner and beheaded. Sensing the end of the line, Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville scrambled to conceive another child. It quickly became clear that control of England would be decided in a race against time. Time that, unfortunately, wasn't on the king's side. My lord, the Lancasters have reached the gates. How much time do we have? Not much. We'll hold them off as long as we can. Edward, what do we do? Gather the children and take them to Westminster Abbey. You'll be safe there. Come with us. Don't worry about me. It's not good for the baby. And we'll need a strong, healthy boy if we're going to get through this. I don't want to leave you. I know. I promise I'll be there soon. Give the children a kiss for me. I will. But he wouldn't keep that promise. Just two months before Elizabeth's due date, in September 1470, Richard Neville marched into London and arrested Edward IV, officially deposing him as the King of England. Coming up... We'll learn about Edward IV's fight to regain the throne and the disappearance and likely murder of his two young sons. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 platinum jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. After his army's devastating loss in the Battle of Edgecott Moor in 1469, 28-year-old Edward IV was taken prisoner at Middleham Castle, home of his youngest brother, Richard of Gloucester, the Hunchback Prince. Although the brothers had been estranged most of their lives, Edward IV's imprisonment gave them the perfect chance to reconnect. Much to Edward IV's delight, he and his brother bonded over their shared hatred of Richard Neville. Richard of Gloucester grew up on the Neville estate, and as such, he had grown quite close to their children. He was particularly fond of Anne, the younger of Richard Neville's two daughters. Anne was quite beautiful and had been kind to Richard of Gloucester, despite his physical deformity. Sensing potential in the union, Richard Neville originally supported the pair's plan to marry when they came of age. However, their plans were dashed when Neville secretly traded Anne to Margaret of Anjou in exchange for her support in overthrowing Edward IV. Richard of Gloucester was forced to watch the love of his life marry another man. And not just any man. Edward of Westminster, 
heir apparent to the Lancastrian throne. Richard? What time is it? What's going on? Come on, Edward. We don't have much time. The guards will be back any minute. Sound the alarm! The prisoners escaped! Go! I'll buy you some time! In October of 1470, Edward IV escaped to the Netherlands while Henry VI sat on the throne. Only a few weeks later, on November 2nd, 1470, Elizabeth Woodville gave birth to a son. Finally, Edward IV had an heir. She named him Edward V. But Edward V's birth wasn't joyous for everyone in the House of York. The news disappointed Richard of Gloucester, who hoped that he would become the next in line for the throne after his brother. Back in London, the House of Lancaster struggled to re-establish themselves. Henry VI was king again, but his mental health was extremely fragile. Even day-to-day stress began to overwhelm him. He suffered another mental breakdown, which left him practically catatonic. Meanwhile, Richard Neville faced a massive challenge trying to mend a growing rift in court. Many nobles had lost family members in the bloodshed of the War of the Roses, and that grief and bitterness hadn't been forgotten. Now that Edward IV had been overthrown, the Lancasters and former Yorkists no longer had a common goal to unite them. The tide of hate swept back into court, sparking even more fights and unrest. There was only one thing that everyone could agree on. Henry VI had to go. Just in time to ride the wave of animosity, Edward IV returned to England. After collecting supporters in Burgundy, Edward IV challenged Henry VI for the throne one more time. War erupted once again. On April 14, 1471, Edward IV's army met the Lancastrian forces, helmed by Richard Neville, near the English town of Barnet. Under the cover of night, the Yorkish army crept up and surrounded Neville's men. At dawn, Edward IV's troops attacked, camouflaged by the thick morning fog. Edward IV wanted to capture Richard Neville alive, in hopes that he could make a good bargaining chip later. But the fog created chaos on the battlefield. When the fighting ended, Richard Neville was dead. In another battle a few weeks later, Henry VI's teenage son and only heir, Edward, was also killed. When Henry VI heard about the loss of his son, his heart broke once and for all. He was imprisoned in the Tower of London, and on May 21st, 1471, he was murdered. In order to repay Richard of Gloucester for his loyalty, a newly re-kinged Edward IV used his influence to retrieve his brother's lost love, Anne Neville, whose husband had recently died. In the spring of 1472, with Edward IV's blessing, Richard of Gloucester and Anne Neville finally wed at the palace. For a while, the family drama seemed to smooth out. On August 17, 1473, Elizabeth Woodville gave birth to Edward IV's second son, named Richard of York. Meanwhile, Prince Edward V, at two years old, was sent to Ludlow Castle to be raised as a proper English heir. His maternal uncle, noted scholar Anthony Woodville, was tasked with his upbringing. 
King Edward IV felt strongly about how his son and heir would be raised, and left Anthony Woodville very specific instructions as how the young prince should grow up. Edward V was only allowed to read stories of virtuous learning, tales about honor, chivalry, and respect. He was also deeply immersed in the Christian faith, so much so that no one in Anthony Woodville's home, servant or otherwise, could so much as swear. The king's efforts proved fruitful, as Edward V was described by Italian noble Dominic Mancini as scholarly beyond his years, with such dignity in his whole person and in his face such charm. By all accounts, he was a lovely, intelligent, empathetic prince who would have made a beloved, passionate monarch. It's a shame England never got to experience life under his rule. The next few years passed quietly, which was rare for the House of York, but the period of peace soon came to an end. On the surface, it seemed like Edward IV and his brother had a good relationship. They'd reconciled and survived two wars together. But in 1482, something began to change within Richard of Gloucester. Excellent shot! Ten points! I do believe that puts you ahead, Stafford. You might be good with a sword, but I'm the king of bow and arrow. Well, today's the day I knock you off your throne. Hey, Richard. See over there by Elizabeth. Looks like Anthony Woodville's got a kid. Ah, that's my nephew, Prince Edward. Really? You don't look anything alike. But I guess you and your brother look pretty different, too. You hit the target! Do you want to go again? What are you getting at, Stafford? Nothing, nothing. I was just saying... What? That my brother's a bastard? Grow up. Your words, not mine. You've got to admit, your nephew is the spitting image of Blayborn. Same golden curls and everything. After that day, whenever Richard of Gloucester saw his nephew, memories of his childhood stirred to the surface. Memories of a time when his mother was accused of having an illicit affair with an archer named Blayborn, when he first noticed how different he and his brother looked. Those old, bitter feelings boiled to the surface whenever he saw Prince Edward V's golden locks. And slowly, they bloomed into a dangerous, toxic notion that he, Richard of Gloucester, was the only rightful heir to the Yorkist throne. On Easter Sunday, 1483, King Edward IV suddenly fell ill. Several royal physicians tended to the bedridden, feverish monarch and yet none could identify the source of his mysterious illness. Unfortunately, the most advanced medical practices at the time, like bloodletting and induced vomiting, did little to help. As he lay in bed, Edward IV made alterations to his will, naming his brother Richard of Gloucester as Lord Protector. This meant that Richard would become Prince Edward V's legal guardian upon Edward IV's death. After a week and a half, on April 9th, Edward IV succumbed to his illness and died at age 40. Suddenly, his 12-year-old son, Edward V, was king. Some blamed his death on poison, a go-to explanation for deaths with no obvious cause at the time. It is possible that the queen, Elizabeth Woodville, believed this was the case. Elizabeth quickly contacted her brother, Anthony Woodville, who had been watching the boy. 
she warned him that Richard of Gloucester might attempt to take the throne and insisted Edward V be kept away from him at all costs. Just a week after King Edward IV's passing, Anthony Woodville and Edward V began their long journey to London. As a precaution, Anthony enlisted a security force of a reported 2,000 armed men and asked Edward V's half-brother, Richard Grey, to accompany them. During their journey, Richard of Gloucester reached out to Anthony Woodville to request a meeting. Anthony agreed to dinner in a neutral location in Northamptonshire under the condition that his nephew could also attend. It's unclear what exactly happened that night, but at some point during the dinner, a fight erupted over the custody of the new king. Richard of Gloucester arrested Anthony Woodville and Richard Gray for treason and got rid of their armed guards. Richard of Gloucester then took possession of Prince Edward V. He likely told the young boy that Woodville and Gray had been arrested for plotting to take control of the crown. We can't be sure how Edward V reacted to the news of his family's arrest, but we do know he traveled the remaining distance to London with Richard of Gloucester. It's likely 12-year-old Edward V took him at his word and trusted his uncle. After all, he was family. Richard of Gloucester's actions in Northampton, however, confirmed Elizabeth Woodville's worst fears. She knew he was making a play for the crown. Desperate for Edward V to assume the throne as quickly as possible, Elizabeth pushed to expedite the coronation. The ceremony was scheduled for June 25, 1483. When Richard of Gloucester returned to London in early May 1483, Elizabeth Woodville was surprised to hear that Edward V was alive and unharmed, but she still knew that Richard of Gloucester was up to something. That month, the young prince was suddenly moved into the Tower of London. This wasn't considered unusual at the time, since most kings customarily awaited their coronation in the royal apartments of the Tower. But this time, the boy would never be seen again. With Edward V under his control, only one obstacle stood in the way of Richard of Gloucester's ambitions, the nine-year-old Prince Richard of York. But Elizabeth Woodville wouldn't let the boy out of her sight. In order to convince Elizabeth he had pure intentions and wasn't trying to make a power grab, Richard of Gloucester hatched a scheme. For the next month, he played the part of the dutiful Lord Protector and took an active role in planning Edward V's coronation. The man must have been convincing because against all of her better judgment, Elizabeth Woodville handed her youngest son over to Richard of Gloucester on June 16, 1483. He said that the boy would be returned after Edward V's coronation. But that very same day, Richard of Gloucester threw the youngest boy into the Tower of London with Edward V, and Elizabeth would never see the two princes again. Next episode, we'll learn about how Richard of Gloucester forced his way into power and dive into theories about who killed the princes or if they were truly ever murdered at all. Thanks again for tuning in to Unsolved Murders. We'll be back next Tuesday with part two on the princes in the tower. You can find all episodes of Unsolved Murders and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. 
Well, not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Unsolved Murders, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unsolved Murders on Spotify, just open the app and type Unsolved Murders in the search bar. We'll see you next time. If we live until next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Unsolved Murders was written by Tracy Nicoletti, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Bill Butts, K.G. Tang, and Jen Wong. It stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.